and lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Greetings. Welcome to Lit with Lloyd. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, uh, and I want to thank KCAT for sponsoring our show. And today we have Martha Conway, an award-winning author, whose most recent book, The Physician's Daughter, just came out in the U.S. about a month ago. So we will talk to her about that as well as a lot of other things. So welcome, Martha. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, And let's get to the most important question first. Tell us about your awards and how you got them. Oh, okay. Um, well, I suppose my my um, the award that I'm proudest of is I was awarded the North American uh, Best Historical Fiction Award um, for my novel Thieving Forest, and uh, the year after that, though the person who won the same award was Anthony Doerr for All Whoa. the Light You Cannot See. Wow. So that was that was a fun award to get. <laughs> yes, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you gotten others? Uh, did you get an Edgar? I was nominated for an Edgar Award for my first novel, which is a mystery. The rest of my novels have been historical fiction. Okay. All right. Well, let's go right into that. Uh, what led you to write a mystery how did you end up switching to historical fiction? And are you going to work in any other kind of genre? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started with the, the very first stories that I wrote were more uh, literary fiction. Uh, they were short stories. I was sort of teaching myself how to write. And then I got this idea for a mystery. And I, I feel like... Um, I teach also at at Stanford's uh, Continuing Studies program, and I often tell my students writing a mystery is a really good way to learn how to write any novel because it has a certain structure that you have to follow, and you learn a lot about embedding clues and setting things up. So that was my first novel, 12 Bliss Street, a mystery. But I think I always knew that I wanted to write historical fiction. My second novel, Sugarland, was historical mystery, so it was sort of a, you know, easing myself into the historical world. Um, and then after that was Thieving Forest, and it's been historical fiction ever since then. <laughs> but I do have to say that the novel that I'm working on now, although it is historical, it has a little bit of magical realism in oh, it. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm sort of drifting into that, I think, perhaps. Uh-huh. We'll see. Well, there are so many genres, uh, and at one point, um, we we had our book club, which you graced us with a few years back. Um, we we had done something like thirty-five to forty different genres. Mm. So, what what genre is magical realism, or is that its own genre? And what does it mean? Um, well, probably you ask five different writers, and you'll get to <laughs> ten different opinions, but. For me, magical realism just means that it doesn't adhere strictly to realistic terms. So there might be something, um, an object that has magical properties, or in my case, it's um, a different world's timeline. It could be any number of things. 
what led you to do that? <laughs> well, it's interesting because when I first started out writing, that's what I wrote. My very first short stories were always had an element that wasn't quite true to reality. And um, I couldn't really get any traction. Number one, it wasn't that popular then, except for, of course, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And number two, I, I don't think I did it very well. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I didn't, I couldn't do it. So for me, in a way, this is a return to my roots. It was something I was always interested in exploring. Wow. Well, we've had a couple of authors um, who have written steampunk, or at least one mm -hmm. in particular, but is, is that a form of magical realism? Um, you know, <laughs> these these days, all of these genres are so blended, you know, and often you'll say this is steampunk meets magical realism. <laughs> steampunk has very, I mean, as you know, it has very definite uh, parameters about what, what it has to have. Um, but I, I would say, personally, yes, it's a form of magical realism. Okay. Uh, and, and moving forward, um, what do you see, what kinds of books do you see writing in the future? I mean, will you incorporate more magical realism and kind of head toward that? Will you stay with historical? Or like this one kind of seems like a tweener? Yes. <laughs> so far, I have stayed in the historical context. context. Um, most, most of my books, ideas are historical fiction, but they might be tweaked a little bit here and there to incorporate, say, magical realism or something else. But everything I write is at least set 50 years ago. And, and in many ways, that makes things easy for me because, you know, technology and the world is changing so quickly that it's very easy, I think, if you're a fiction writer to write something that quickly becomes dated. So if you're dated to begin with, <laughs> it's a little bit easier. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, books two through four, because we'll get to the phys physician's assistant a little bit. Uh, what is each one about, you know, in, in, uh, with a short synopsis? And how did you get to those ideas to explore? I just want to interrupt for one moment and say it's the physician's daughter, <laughs> not the assistant. But I will say it nearly was the physician's assistant. So you're cool. Um, Thank you for correcting me. I got the, I have the title right in front of me. You know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's an easy, it's an easy change. Um, I'm sorry. So what was your question again? Books two through four. Uh, quick synopsis of each and how you came up with those storylines. Um, well, three of the novels, takes, they take place in Ohio, which is where I'm from ah, originally. Okay. So uh, Thieving Forest takes place in the Great Black Swamp. It's sort of a quest adventure story for women. Um, in, and it takes place in 1811. And then... Um, the Underground River takes place in, in along the Ohio River. So it starts in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then it goes down the Ohio River, and it's about um, a woman who gets involved in this floating theater. It's literally a, bar a barge that is made into a theater and goes down the river playing, playing plays, uh, left and right to the little towns along the way. And I remember it well because that was the one we read for the book club when you came. That's right. Yeah, that's right. good one. So, and then this um, novel, The Physician's Daughter, half of it takes place in Cleveland. 
um, and that's where I'm from. And it takes place in 1865, 1866, when Cleveland was an up-and-coming city. John D. Rockefeller makes um, sort of a an off-stage cameo uh, appearance in in the book because <laughs> uh, he was very. That's when he was rising to prominence in Cleveland. He later moved to New York, um, and that was really fun to talk about a bustling industrial city on the rise. Yeah, that's great. When did um, the physician's daughter come out? The the hardcover came out in January in in the UK, and okay. then it came out in September, just this last September in the US. Wow. Why so many months earlier in the UK when you're here in the US? <laughs> I could not tell you. <laughs> the publisher is in the UK, and that may have been why, but your yeah. guess is as good <laughs> okay. as mine. All right, well, here is what the physician's daughter looks like. And if any of you want to write in and tell me what an idiot I am for saying uh, the assistant, feel free. Uh, so that's that. And um, you've got something there for book clubs that I think would be real interesting for everybody to see. Yeah, this is um, just a very short one chapter excerpt that I made up for book clubs. Uh, I sort of made it so that I mean, I'm in a book club myself, and I know that sometimes you're not sure if you want to commit to a book or not, and people uh. might want to read a chapter before they decide. So this is uh, something that I've made up for book clubs. If you think you might be interested in reading the book, uh, just send me an email to mmconway at gmail.com, and I will send you this excerpt for your book club to hand around. That's great. Do you also uh, zoom in to book clubs yes. uh, around the uh, world? Yes, yes. <laughs> I've I've zoomed into book clubs on the East Coast, on the West Coast, uh, most recently in Pakistan, <laughs> uh, in the UK. So yes, all over the world. That's fantastic. Uh, all right, so let's go back uh, in history a bit um, and tell us how you got published with your first book. Oh, my first book was 12 Bliss Street, and this may um, date me a bit, but when I sent the manuscript, I sent the manuscript to five agents, did it in the mail, sent the whole manuscript in the mail, and five days later, 9-11 uh, happened. Oh, wow. So, and all of the agents were in New York, and I just thought, wait, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to do anything for a while. So I waited about six months, and of course I didn't hear from the agents and I didn't expect to. And then I started again, and um, somebody picked it up right away and uh, found a publisher for it. That was St. Martin's Press, and that was very exciting. That was really fun. Yeah, um, and have you stayed with St. Martin's Press for your succeeding books? No, because that was a mystery, and then I veered into the historical fiction. Okay, tell us uh, how you got your first historical fiction published. Um, the first historical fiction published was, well, the, the last one that I just did, The Underground River, that was published by Simon & Schuster, and it was also picked up by uh, quite a few um, publication, publishers in 
the UK and in Europe. So what happened was the UK publisher offered me a two-book deal, and so that's why The Physician's Daughter uh, came out with them, you know, as well. Okay. Uh, so you were, you, you were with um, Simon & Schuster for just uh, the one book? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then their imprint closed that I was uh, under. It's sort of an interesting journey these days with the publishing houses uh, buying each other up. The big, when I started, the big five was the big seven. Now it's the big three and mm. possibly the big two. Oh, man. So uh, one of the things I've really been noticing is a lot of smaller presses cropping up, um, a lot of hybrid presses. So in some ways, it feels like publish, there are fewer publishers, um, big publishers for authors. But in other ways, it feels like there are a lot more options in terms of smaller publishers, hybrid publishers, self-publishing. I tell my students, if you want to write and you want to publish, you actually can now, as opposed to you know, 10, 15 years ago, where if you couldn't find a big publisher to to take on your novel, you know, you put it in a drawer and that was the end of it. Wow. You know, I, um, certainly I'm, I'm aware of the self-publishing and I know uh, we've talked to many authors who went the self-publishing route uh, and some well-known authors and authors that were New York Times best-selling authors who then went, you know, uh, went solo. Um, but I, I didn't realize that there was actually an increase of independent presses. What, mm -hmm. what has led to that, would you say? Well, I think that the model for the big publishers is hard to maintain. They have offices and rents in New York. Um, there's a publisher source book that is in the Midwest. So right there, they've cut their expenses a lot. Uh, there are smaller presses that can operate in somebody's basement. Um, you know, there's just, it's just a lot easier to produce a beautiful book these days. So you don't need, you don't need lots of salaries and high rents in order to do that. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you, you're currently on a, on a two book deal with your UK publisher. Um, is there also a, a publisher in the United States that's, that's, putting out these same the same books the same two books uh no i decided to go with zaffer books the uk publisher okay. for, for my united states release as well okay all right uh and what will happen after this next book comes out i mean will you hope to stay with the uk i mean uh publisher is that a, a good thing going i would love to yeah that's um i really love my editor i think she's fantastic she really helped me make the book a lot better uh, it's a really nice relationship, so hopefully, that will that will continue. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's always a bit of a uh, up in the air kind of thing for all you guys, uh, as you keep going with you know with with uh, book after book. Yeah. Um, in your teaching, are are you teaching them to are to write short stories? Are you setting them up to be able to write novels? I mean. What, what, what do you actually teach them to do? Yeah, uh, good question. Uh, I, work, I work in the um, online writing certificate program. So it's a, in my case, it's a novel writing program. Um, and I've taught novel one, so people who are just starting to write a novel. And I've also 
taught novel three, which is people who are midway, um, trying to figure out, uh, you know, if they should change direction or, you know, they have some amount of pages under their belt, but maybe need a little help going further. So we talk a lot about no matter where you are in the process of writing a novel, a lot of the same craft issues still apply. So we will talk about, um, you know, first person versus third person and how to set up a scene, characterization, antagonists. Those are, that's very big, um, all, all sorts of issues. All right, I'd like to ask you a couple more questions about that. Uh, we need to take a quick break. Uh, we shall be back shortly with Martha Conway. Thank you to the City of Montessorino for their continued support of KCAT Public Media. The City of Montessorino has enabled KCAT to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you. And we're back with Martha Conway. Uh, so we, before the break, we were talking about, you know, your teaching and, and uh, what you're teaching the kids to do. When they write something, do they give it to you to read? And if it's, a, if it's something long, do you have to like read that, like a, a novel type thing? Uh, yes, they do <laughs> give me pages. That's part of their assignment. My big thing as a teacher and as a writer is I think that you have to produce pages. You have to write every week. And so I make my students write every week. So that means, of course, I have to read what they write every yes. week. Um, and there's a word limit, you know, maybe 500 words a week or a scene, uh, maybe 700 words. But I find actually that I learn a lot from my students. They're so imaginative, you know, and making, analyzing their scenes and what they're doing right and what, what their challenges are. You know, it just sort of underscores to me what we're all doing when we're writing. Does it does it impact your time for writing? Oh yes, <laughs> so and that's I, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's give and take. It, usually, these classes are ten weeks long, and I find that in the beginning of the ten weeks, I can continue to work on my own manuscript. By about week eight. I'm pretty much only teaching the class. Uh -huh. So that is definitely a challenge. Does does your publisher give you a certain amount of time to get that first draft in? They have been very, very kind in terms of Good. time, yeah. All right, so you're not feeling pressure from the classes to get more time away from them to, to do your own writing. Yeah, the only pressure comes from myself because <laughs> I love to write, you yeah. know, so I want to yeah. get back to it. Yeah. Uh, how many years between books have you had? And, and is it, is, is, are, are those optimal time periods for you? Well, the, this book took me a long time to write. When I started The Physician's Daughter, Barack Obama was still president. You know, England was still part of the EU. Um, wow. So it, there was a lot, as you can imagine, it's, it takes place in 1865, 1866. There, there was a lot of medical research that I had mm. to do. I'm not a STEM 
person. I'm a literature person, so <laughs> I did not know a lot about about medicine, frankly, or or the medicine back then, especially. Uh-huh. So there was a lot of research, and for me, when I write, the story sort of writes as I write it. I don't usually have um, a firm story in mind when I start. I just have a character, a situation. I have some scenes. I know whether or not the character gets what she wants in the end or not. And then from there, the storyline really can go in many directions. So for better or for worse, it takes me a while to figure out exactly what the story is. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, has has the publisher given, you know, I, you said the publisher's been very good about it, but do you have a time frame for the next book? I don't really have a time frame for the next book. It feels like it's happening a little bit faster than this one. <laughs> I mean, also, let's just remember, this, the last four years were very disruptive in many ways. Yeah, so I yeah, think yeah. a lot of people took a lot of time that they might not have taken otherwise. So, um, and in addition to that, the publisher, I think, wisely held back the publication of the book a few months because of all the supply chain issues and everything yep. else that was going yep. on. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on still. Yeah. Uh, I think we all see it all the time. Uh, I have to make a kind of a side side comment. I've been writing a, a book blog for 11 years. Mm-hmm. I know how hard it is to write three paragraphs. <laughs> I'm just in awe of anybody that can write a novel and and have it make sense from beginning to end. It's it's such an art that that you you have and so many of you, so many others have. So uh, I'm just in awe of what you do. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, getting back to the physician's daughter, um, how, you obviously knew that you were going to have to do a lot of, of research for a book that takes place in a in a field that you're not that knowledgeable about and 160 50 60 years ago did you did you hesitate to 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 start this or did you know you this is something you really wanted to do and how much research did you do oh my gosh <laughs> i have folders probably six or seven this this thick you know with you know medical research what society thought about women what people ate drank and dressed like what Cleveland was like it starts in a little whaling village in Massachusetts so a dying whaling village so what did that look like um yeah there was a lot of research that went into it I think that I you know once I get hold of an idea I'm like a dog with a bone I just really I just have to follow through with it and sometimes inevitably in every process I feel like throwing up my hands this isn't going to work but then, you know, you just keep at it and somehow you get a little bit of a breakthrough. Um, when I started this, this novel, I sort of envisioned it as a sort of Grey's Anatomy meets Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> and I, I think that's still a fair, a fair description. It's, there's a love interest, um, but there's a woman who has great ambition. She wants to become a doctor. And there are many obstacles in her way. And figuring out what those obstacles were and how she could get around them, that was part of the challenge for me, definitely. Yeah, it, it seems like it would be such a difficult thing. Uh, so a question for you 
as an author, for any author, what kind of expectations do you have in terms of the success of the book as you go from one book to the other? Um, do you expect that each book is going to do a little bit better than the book before it? If it doesn't, is that a disappointment? I mean, how do you how do you even corral that kind of of that, that kind of pressure? Mm-hmm. Unless it's no pressure at all. Well, I have to say that I'm I have come to the point where I. I really recognize these days that for me the joy is in the writing and the figuring out of the story and the, and just the craft of writing sentences I've always really liked. So I I'm I'm not so much focused on on the publications these days. In the beginning when I was trying to get published, certainly that was a huge focus for me. What what am I writing? Is it going to be published? Is it will people want to read it? Now I sort of feel like people will read it if I make it available to them, and and that's all I really want. I'm I don't need to be you know a rock and roll international <laughs> star. I want to write a good book, and if a few people write in and say that they enjoyed reading it, that's just bonus. That's the cherry on top. Wow, that's so cool. Uh, have you gotten? good response for uh, for this uh, the new one yes very good very good it seems to be getting really good responses which just especially because it took so long and was difficult to write in some ways it's very heartening do you keep an eye on uh, goodreads and amazon for ratings <laughs> um I not so much i mean it's impossible to avoid of course and you have to do a sneak peek um, and I do read some of the reviews on Amazon, but I think that's a danger for writers yeah. to go down that rabbit hole too far because you're always going to find people who didn't like one or more of your decisions or didn't like your writing style. It doesn't necessarily mean that the book is bad or that you're not a good writer. But writing, reading a book is very personal. It's not just about the writer and the book. It's a communication with the reader. So the reader brings something to that experience. And that's wonderful. And it's up in the air what that experience is going to be f- for that person. So I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, there are going to be good reviews and bad reviews, but it's all about, you know, this relationship between the reader and the writer. Wow. Um, there are no books in history that have gotten five out of five from everybody. So yeah. uh, we know about that. And in our book club, we see that all the time. You know, there might be 10, 12 people that rated it high and one just didn't like it. So mm-hmm. and we have that recently. Uh, it's it's just such a personal taste. Also, you know, being a, a voracious reader myself, I think sometimes it's also if you're in the mood for that kind of book. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, you can you can appreciate the fact that it was written well, uh, but if you're just not in the mood for that that genre, then uh, then it's going to be tough to 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 rate it high and it's not the author's fault absolutely absolutely <laughs> i wish all reviewers understood that <laughs> uh, all right i'd like to get back to the publisher a little bit what what services do they provide now you've already said that that all your publishers uh, so far have have been you know have picked the title for the book but what about for the ebook cover and the and the and the um 
uh, audiobook narrator. Do you have any input on that? A little bit, yeah. Um, usually what happens with the audiobook is is they will give me a couple of samples of different voice actors, and I can say which which one I like, but they do the initial culling. Uh-huh. So there is a bit of that. The, the cover is really... Um, is really up to them and I am so happy with that because I visually I'm not <laughs> I'm not really uh yeah and I love that cover it's a great cover so so I I don't want the stress of having to figure out a cover I don't <laughs> I don't think I would do it very well quite frankly there are professionals who can do that yeah uh do they do they do any kind of promotional stuff for you sure uh it depends on it, it really depends on what they do. Uh, for this book, I didn't do any in-person readings in England. I actually went to Ireland and was planning to go to England uh, in February of this year, just after the book was finished, to do some promotions. But when I was in Ireland, I got COVID. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so that had to all be canceled. Uh, now there's a, a little bit more opening up in terms of in-person events. So I've been fortunate to have a few book readings, uh, both in the Bay Area and back in Cleveland. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So that's been nice. And do you still have family and friends back in Cleveland? I do. I do have family and friends so back there. Nice excuse to go back absolutely. anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you had any interest, I love to ask this question, from movie or TV studios for any of the books? <laughs> I have had some interest. I've had some nibbles. Nothing has come to fruition okay. yet. Yet. Thank you for saying yet. <laughs> but it's amazing that that almost every author that has, has had a bite of one type or another has not had it actually made. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I've, I've only come across a couple of authors that have, have had you know, books turned into TV shows or, or movies. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's, I, I guess it's really hard for that to, to take place. I mean, it's a world that I know nothing about, quite frankly. <laughs> it's, it seems very mysterious to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, um, I, I, that's about all I've got for today. I think we're pretty much out of time. Uh, so... It, it, this was fascinating. It was great having you here. Uh, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, Lloyd. This was really fun. Great. Okay. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. Uh, so we are closing the book on today's podcast. I want to thank uh, KCAT again for hosting us. And uh, it's always great working with all of uh, the people there. Uh, and um, we will see you uh, next time uh, after uh, the not after what? What after what? Uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs> and again, thanks to Martha Conway for, for coming on. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org slash radio.